So a couple years ago, uh, while I was still in seminary, uh, my neighbor, next door neighbor, went on vacation. He has a very sweet dog uh, that he asked some of us to watch over while he was gone. He asked uh, some of us living there in the seminary village if we would uh, feed her and water her and take her out uh, on walks and all of that uh, from time to time while he was gone on vacation. Uh, So a couple of days into this vacation, I get a call from one of my other friends, one of the uh, guys who was helping to care for this dog, and uh, he's, he's really frantic on the phone. He says, Thomas, Thomas, I, I was taking the dog out, um, and uh, we let her off the leash to run around, and she ran away. Uh, and he was just super frantic that this dog had run away. Uh, we know, you know, you can understand exactly what that's like. We heard about that a little bit this morning. Uh, and so we, we, all of us at that point, we changed our plans. Everything we were doing that evening, we, we dropped what we were doing, and we went out uh, into the into the local neighborhood into the evening looking for this dog. And we went everywhere we thought the dog would have went. We went in the direction that the dog had initially ran, and we started spreading out from there, and we worked, um, you know, well until the evening, well past dark, trying to find this dog. And, and the reason that we did this, as you can probably understand, is because we, we cared about the dog. The dog was valuable to us, and it was valuable to our friend. And, and we knew that uh, the dog meant something to this friend of ours. And so we dropped what we were doing, and we expended a lot of time and effort going to try to find this dog. Um, and it, it wasn't just one of us. Uh, there was lots of us going and spreading around. And so, you know, we left what we were doing. We left our families and, and other things like that for this moment to go and search for this dog because the dog was valuable to us. And uh, we couldn't find the dog that night. And for a couple of days, it was gone. And so we'd go out and spend as much time as we were able uh, trying to find this dog. And it actually got to the point where some people said, well, you know, maybe she's coming back um, in the middle of the night. Maybe she knows her way home. And so uh, actually, I volunteered to go sleep in my buddy's apartment overnight just in case the dog came home and scratched at the door. Um, So I left, you know, sleeping in my bed with, you know, my family, and I left my pets behind in my apartment to go to this other apartment because there was a need uh, to find this dog and to help my friend who cared so much about it. Um, And I will wrap up that story a little bit later uh, in the sermon just to keep you interested, okay? Um, So... Today we're beginning a new uh, mini-series called Lost and Found. Uh, We're going to look at some of the parables of Jesus, uh, all centered around a similar theme, being lost and found. And so a little bit of background, uh, Jesus often taught in parables. If you read through the stories in the Gospels, you see that Jesus often taught in these stories. Uh, Parables, if you're not familiar, are stories with a point. Maybe you grew up hearing Aesop's fables or different sort of uh, moral stories. That's what parables were. Jesus and and others would teach in parables because in their culture, not everybody could read and not everybody could write and they didn't have smartphones that they could just pull things up and you you couldn't go to the bookstore and just buy books. And so they would try to tell stories and speak in ways that were easy to remember. Um, And a lot of times, stories are just easy for us as humans to remember. Chances are you can remember stories from your youth or some of your favorite uh, fables growing up, fables with a point. And so that's what these parables are. They're they're stories that have a point, stories intended to teach a moral lesson or to teach something about the characteristics of God or something to teach how we're supposed to interact and relate with our families. And so in the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different parables that Jesus taught all around this theme of being lost and found. 
Uh, we're still in the Gospel of Luke, and, and the reason that we're doing this, once again, this is all a part of our Follow Me series, is because we want to know what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. And we've talked about, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, that means becoming like Christ. And if we want to become like Christ, we have to know what Christ was like. I've said that over and over again. I think, uh, you know, we're starting to, starting to get this. So we're going to look at Jesus' teachings about uh, being lost and found, and we're going to see how we can take what he's teaching and, and how it might apply to us some 2,000 years later. And I think what we're going to see, that these teachings, and this is one of the things that I love about what Jesus taught and Jesus did, is that 2,000 years later, what he taught and what he did is still relevant to us today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, as usual, I'll put the text up on the screen. Uh, Luke is going to introduce us to the reason that Jesus is telling these parables. He's going to set the background for us here. So here's, what, here's how Luke introduces it. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So if you've been following along this series for any length of time, you'll, you'll realize this is a pretty consistent theme, right? Over and over again, we have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are sort of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, uh, and they're, they're c- consistently criticizing and critiquing Jesus for the company that he keeps. They're, they're criticizing Jesus because he's spending his time with these groups of people, tax collectors and sinners, who are generally regarded uh, as outcasts in the community. Uh, tax collectors were viewed as traitors because they worked for Rome, who was oppressing the Jewish people. And if you were a good Jew in your day, you know, to work for the oppressor it was to be a traitor. And so the tax collectors were sort of viewed as outsiders. They were viewed as traitors or, or betraying the nation of Israel. Sinners were people who, for whatever reason, had rejected Um, some aspect of the law of God were living in ways that were contrary to uh, the law of God. And so they were people that the good religious people said you shouldn't hang out with. They were saying if you want to be a good religious person, you don't want to hang out with these groups of people. And all of a sudden they have Jesus coming along who claims to be this teacher sent from God, who claims to be uh, this Messiah, who sees himself as, as the Son of God. And instead of hanging out with all of the, you know, spending all of his time in the temple and spending all of his time with the religious folks, he's spending all of his time with these tax collectors and these sinners. And if you're a Pharisee or a teacher of the law, this, this concerns you. And so this is the, the, about the third time already in Luke that we see these religious leaders being upset with Jesus about who he's spending his time with. And so, once again, we're going to see Jesus address their concerns. But the way that he's going to do it, he doesn't address them necessarily directly. He does it by telling a story, by telling a parable. And he uses these parables to sort of get at, at this this message in sort of a sideways manner, where maybe by telling a story he can help these people sort of understand what's going on and why he's doing what he's doing. So Luke tells us, Jesus told them this parable. Jesus goes on to say, Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Right? So it's a simple story. He's talking to a group of people who are living in an agrarian society. There's a lot of pastors, uh, shepherds. Pastor and shepherd mean the same thing. Uh, there's a lot of shepherds. There's a lot of farming. It's, a, it's an agrarian society. So they would have been familiar with the practices of shepherds. Maybe some of them 
had been shepherds, were shepherds, had family members who were shepherds. Uh, surely uh, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would be familiar with their scriptures, the Old Testament, where David grew up, King David grew up as a shepherd. Psalm 23 talks about the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, so they would have been familiar with shepherding practices. And so Jesus says, listen, if you guys were all shepherds, and if you had a hundred sheep out there, and one of them got lost, if one of them wandered off, wouldn't you leave the 99 behind and go try to find the one that was lost? In other words, Jesus is presupposing here that this is how shepherds operate. Uh, this, this would have been um, assumed by all of the people in the audience, that, that if, there was, if you were a shepherd and you had 99 sheep, then you, would, uh, you had 100 and one of them left, you would leave the 99 to go find the one. Not because the one was any more important than the 99, but because the, the one was in greater danger, was at greater risk. Not because you loved the one anymore, but because you loved the one as much as the 99. Jesus is saying, listen, if, if you were to do this with animals, you know, you, you can sort of see where Jesus is getting with this. If shepherds will do this for animals, if shepherds will leave the 99 ones that are safe behind to go spend time and effort looking for the one that's lost and in danger, Jesus is getting at this point, how much more then should I do this for God's people? How much more should I do this? You know, the, the religious people are, are thinking that Jesus needs to spend all of this time focused on taking care of the needs of the religious people. And Jesus is saying, the religious people, you know, you guys already, you're fine. You're in a safe place. I am sent to take care of the people who are lost and at risk. Now, here's a question. Why would the shepherd leave the 99 to go and find the one? It's a great question. It's because the lost sheep was valuable to the shepherd. That lost sheep cared, that, that shepherd cared about that lost sheep. The lost sheep was, when my friend lost the dog, we went and searched for the dog because the dog was valuable to us and was valuable to our friend, and the friend was valuable to us. We cared about our friend, and we cared about his dog, and so we left our time uh, we left what we were doing and spent time and energy searching for the dog. It's not that um, my dog was any less important, right? But my dog was safe. So I left my dog in my apartment and went and searched for the dog that was missing. Not because I loved that dog more, but because my dog was already safe. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He goes on in this uh, story. He says this, And when he finds it, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. In other words, he's saying that not only does he go out and find it, but when he finds it, he rejoices because th that which has been lost has now been found. And there's a reason to rejoice and to celebrate over the recovery of what has been lost. He's saying this is, this is what people do over animals. Jesus is saying, really, if people are willing to do this over animals, what about people who are lost and then who are found? You know, when, um, to, to conclude the story from earlier, uh, I was sleeping in my friend's apartment. I got a phone call from another friend saying, hey, the dog is outside of the door. I opened up the door as quick as I could. The dog came running in, and what did we do? We celebrated we rejoiced because the dog had been found because there was going to be a reunion now because now my friend was going to be able to come back to the dog that he loved and, and that was going to be restored. We rejoiced when the lost was found. 
Now, there's a whole point to this story, right? Jesus doesn't tell stories that don't have points. He doesn't, he's not just telling a story about sheep to sort of distract from the issue and hope that the people who are questioning him forgot what they were questioning. They, he's not trying to mislead them. He's, he's telling this story to make a point to his critics. And here's what he says. Jesus gives the point to the parable. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Right? So Jesus gives us an explanation of the parable. He tells us why he told the story he just told. And he says that, that the sheep in the story, right? when we understand parables, parables generally have one main point, and this is the main point of the story. The sheep represents people. right? The sheep represents people. The one that leaves represents those sinners who have strayed away from God. Those who are far from God, the tax collectors and the sinners, who the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law knew they were far from God. Jesus says, just like a shepherd would go after a sheep that wandered away, I have come to go after those who have wandered away from God. And when they come back, Jesus says, there's rejoicing in heaven. Now, we don't want to misunderstand this. Jesus isn't saying at all that the 99 are less important or less valuable than the one. It's just that the one who was, who was lost is now safe, and there's a reason to rejoice in that, right? And so if we think about our own lives, at some point, for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, at some point, we were that one sheep, Right? We were the one sheep, and somebody took time and effort and resources to reach out to us and to find us and to tell us that we have a God in heaven who loves us like a father and a savior who died for us and wants to forgive us and wants to incorporate us into his family. Somebody came out to find us. And so in that particular time, we were the one that was lost, and there was rejoicing in heaven when we came and placed our trust in Christ and received that free forgiveness and became a part of the family of God. Now, for many of us, we are the 99, right? And so it's not that we're any less important. It's just we've already had our party. We, we've already had, now we want to help other people who, who have their party. And so here, here's the uh, principle. The lost one is not more valuable than the 99. That's not what Jesus is saying. The one who's lost is not any more valuable. It's just that they're at greater risk. The lost sheep was at greater risk and therefore deserved and needed the extra time and the extra attention and the extra focus. So Jesus isn't saying, I, I love sinners and tax collectors more than I love people who are already in. He's saying, these are people who need help. And so it's worth our time and it's worth our effort. So here's our bottom line. For Jesus, finding the lost was a top priority. Finding those who were lost was a top priority. Why? Because they were at greater risk. They were at greater danger. They didn't, you know, they, they needed more help than, than those who weren't. Uh, Jesus tells us later on in Luke, he says, the Son of Man, referring to himself, came, the purpose for his coming was to seek and to save the lost. This is the reason that he came. This was a priority for Jesus. So for those of us who are going through this series, who are asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to become like Christ? Uh, there's some questions that we want to ask ourselves. Here's one. Is reaching those who are far from God a priority for us? Are we more concerned with reaching the one, or are we more concerned with devoting our time and our resources and our energy on taking care of the 99 who are already safe? Where is our priorities? 
And the, the way that we can evaluate that, we can say that it's important to us, but the way that we can really evaluate that is by looking at where we spend our time and where we spend our resources and where we direct our energy. And where, because as we saw last week, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also, right? Where we spend our time, where we spend our resources, where we spend all of that is indicative of what our priorities are. So in our personal lives, is reaching those who are far from God, is it a priority for us? Do we spend personal time praying for friends and family who don't yet have the relationship with God that we do? Do we spend time um, reaching out and engaging in conversations with those who, who don't yet know that God loves them like a loving Heavenly Father and wants to welcome them into their family? Do we, do we spend time, you know, do we spend our resources contributing to organizations and, and you know, to this church and to others that are dedicated to reaching out and spreading the good news? D- does our activity and our action and the way that we spend our time and our resources, does it indicate that reaching others is a priority for us? How about as a church? Does the way that we spend our time and our resources as a church, does it demonstrate that reaching the lost is a priority for us? Or are we more concerned with taking care of the 99 who are already here, right? And if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to really follow in his footsteps, then we, we see that he left the 99 often and he spent the majority of his time, the majority of his resources reaching out to those who were lost. And when he gathered those who were found back together, it was a time for equipping and a time for training and a time for healing so that they could turn around and be sent right back out. See, a lot of American Christians get the whole idea of church wrong. We think that we come to church so that we can get fed and get, get our fill, and then we go out, you know, we sort of, um, and then we come back and we think that church is sort of all for us. And really, what, what the church service should be is where, you know, we're all out during the week. We're all out on mission. God said that we're all missionaries. We're all ambassadors. We're, we all have the, the ministry and the uh, message of reconciliation. We should be out throughout the week sharing uh, our faith in Christ with other people. We should be out uh, demonstrating the love of Christ as we go. And then we come back together for a period of training, for a period of equipping, for a period of healing, because sometimes going out and engaging in that can be, can be painful, right? We can experience resistance. So, you know, a lot of American Christians think that church is for them, that, that church is for, you know, just meeting our needs as the church people. And Jesus says, no, 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 we come together to train and to equip so that we can, so that we can go back out and be involved in the mission of Jesus, which is seeking and saving the lost. So the question is, is reaching those who are far from God a priority for us? And how do we demonstrate that with our time and our resources? So that's for those of us who are Christians. That's the message of this parable for those of us who are the 99, right? If if we're in the 99, if we're the ones who've already been found, then the message for us is how do we go out and and demonstrate that for others? How do we follow in Jesus' footsteps and and make reaching those who are far from God a priority for us? Uh, If you are not in the 99, if you maybe are not yet a Jesus follower, then the message for you is that you have a heavenly Father who loves you very, very much and who wants to reach out, and he wants to find you. And if you feel like you're lost, if you feel like uh, you've been beat up and you don't know where you're going, then the message of this parable for you is that you have a God who loves you. And you have, you have uh, a Savior in Jesus who's willing to leave behind everything else and come and look for you and save you, who wants to tell you that there's a place for you to belong, that you can come and be a part of the family of God, where God will love you like a father, and brothers and sisters in Christ will love you like brothers and sisters, where there's a place where you can have a purpose and a passion and a mission and where you can receive comfort 
and healing. And so if you feel like you're that one sheep and, and you're all lost on your own, I want you to know that there's a place for you here. That this is a place where you can come and receive healing and a place where you can come and receive care and love and where we can train and equip you and give you a purpose and, and make you a part of the family. And so if you're in the 99, then my encouragement to you is to really ask yourself how you can make reaching the lost a priority in your personal life. For us as a church, I really want us to start to imagine how we can shift our focus and our perspective so that the majority of our time and the majority of our resources and the majority of our energy is spent not on just taking care of our own needs and our own priorities and our own preferences, but on really reaching those who are far from God. And if you're the one, then I invite you to come to your Heavenly Father who loves you very, very much who wants to forgive you for all of your sins, who wants to give you a place in the family, who wants to fill you with abundance of joy and abundance of peace and abundance of purpose and give you a hope that can last for eternity. So here is our first message in Lost and Found. We know that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and those of us who are there, we need to make that our priority as well. Let me pray, and then we'll move into a time of communion. Lord, we thank you once again for preserving these stories for us in Scripture. We thank you for uh, reaching us when we were lost. Father, at one point in time, each and every one of us uh, was that one sheep that was lost somewhere else. We felt like we were all alone. We didn't know you. We didn't know that you loved us. We didn't know that you wanted us to be a part of your family. And Father, we thank you that you sent your son to demonstrate that for us uh, and that you have sent others into our lives, people who have reached out to us and have spoken truth to us and have wrapped us in their arms as a demonstration of your love. Father, we just pray that you would help us now to extend that to others. Help us to imagine new ways to focus our time and our energy and our effort and our resources onto reaching those who are far from God. Father, not because we think that you love them any more that you love us, but we've already experienced that. We've already had our party, and we want them to have theirs as well. I thank you for these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen.